welcome to episode 32 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief of Fanbolt. My name is Kai Mickelson, all-around creative guy and independent filmmaker. And we have a pretty cool show for you this week. Uh, we have an interview with two of the actors from The Walking Dead. And, of course, the answer to the question we had last week, would... Tyler Perry or Doctor Strange, <laughs> which one went out? It was close. It was a close call, so you guys. <laughs> um, and then, of course, this week, Arrival is coming out, so we have an interview with Amy Adams and just some other cool stuff. So that is our outline for this episode. I really did nothing this last past week except for work and then just nerd out on Doctor Strange stuff. So... I have that. <laughs> well, that's that's an exciting week. I do want to point out the fact, and this is something that's very exciting, is we are actually recording this in the same room at the same time. We are. For example, I know what color uh, Emma's very colorful shoes are right now, and I would not know that <laughs> on a given recording, because we have 100% of the time recorded remotely. So, it now is, I made it weird. It's and worth it's, noting. <laughs> it is, it's a lot weirder now to be in the room than to just be in a closet making it weird because it's already weird in a closet. Anyways, let's, let's, uh, let's, so, so you didn't have much going on last week. No. Starting to understand. Not mm. much. <laughs> well, I, you know, I didn't either. So there you have it. We continue to move into our home, which continues to be, uh, obstacles. We did get our, uh, uh temporary power thing removed from our front y- yard. So now our house is looking a little classier. Nice. We've got that going for it. Yeah. <laughs> So, but uh, that's, yeah, that's it. Nothing, um, nothing. I just know that things are about to be crazy. Yeah, you've got something super cool coming up. Yes, that's, we are, this, this weekend is when we go to Duke University for, for the screening, um, which we're really excited about. Uh, Omar's going to be out there, Omar's family, and, and uh, me, uh, my wife Mandy, and child. It's going to be his first road trip, Aww. which is kind of fun, out to, uh, out to Duke University, to the campus. Maybe I'll accidentally set a precedent and then... You know, when he's playing Division One basketball, that's the school he can play for. <laughs> um, but no, it's, so yeah, we, we have the screening on Saturday. So we'll come back with reports of that. And then right on the heels of that, though, then my mom's coming into town to meet her grandson for Thanksgiving and everything. And then it's just, it's just not going to slow down. No, it's not going to really slow down. Um, I've got, we've got Fan Fest coming up the weekend before Thanksgiving. And then I'm doing... Doing a road trip to Nashville with uh, Krista, the girl I went to Scotland with. Oh, good. I really, I I love this so much because uh, when Kia approached us, she wanted to send them the video of our Scotland trip. And many of our listeners have seen the video of our Scotland trip, (laughs) um, which involved car accidents and hospital visits. And I was like... I don't think you want to show Kia a video of you wrecking the car while we're in a foreign country as a part of, you know, why they should work with us. Um, but so we're going to go do that. And that'll, that ought to be, it's going to be a, a fun, a fun event regardless of what happens. Well, good. Well, I mean, um, the thing you've got going for you is you actually be driving on the American side of the road. Yes. Which will help remove any additional complexities. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That does make it a little bit easier. See? It's very helpful. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that. And then, of course, Thanksgiving. And then everything just kind of gets crazy at the end of the year. Um, but it's all good craziness. No, it's true. So, it is It is all good crazy. It is all good crazy. But, uh, yeah, Mandy and I were talking. Just like, well, any, well we're going to just take a breather any second. And it's just like, 
When? In, yeah, <laughs> totally when. We thought, well, once we're in the house, then things will calm down. And, of course, we're in the house and so many things are unfinished. It's like living in a construction zone. So we're not – like, I'll tell you the biggest thing is you need to repaint our walls so we can get the decorative stuff out of boxes. That's going to be a huge step. Yeah. So hmm, there's that. <laughs> but then maybe once – see, once our pictures are on the wall, then we can relax. Yeah, there's definitely something about uh, when you move, just not having boxes everywhere. Yeah. That once you're unpacked, even if it's like complete chaos after you've unpacked, you're like, well, at least there's no boxes. Right. No, it's true. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's weird. We're, we were laughing about this the other day. Is like our son just turned three months old on November 5th, um, which is great. And we're realizing that for now, for all intents and purposes, our son is just pretty much a loud piece of furniture, right? You, you put him in this... And if he's angry, he'll cry, and you go to him and you remove him. But he can't really get himself into trouble. Mm-hmm. But we're probably—I don't know—what are we like three months away from him being able to crawl and move around? And, get, and we let me tell you about a child safe home. <laughs> we do not, because you know there's like construction everywhere. So yeah, we're we're definitely on the clock to get this thing right. But yeah, we were just laughing about like. How, like, ah, we can't wait for Zach to be able to move and do things, but also, like, oh, no, soon Zach's going to be able to move and do things. <laughs> well, so. you've got three months to make that a, a child safe home. No problem. <laughs> we'll be there in no time. <laughs> so, speaking of entertainment. Yes. <laughs> let's uh, let's move right on into our, our TV segment. Hmm. Um, I got to sit down with uh, a bunch of people from The Walking Dead at Walker Stalker. Um, Halloween weekend, and we have a little bit of a teaser from one of the interviews. Um, you can see the more of the interview up on fanfest.com. Uh, but here is a little bit of me talking to uh, Ross McQuan and Jordan Woods Robinson about how they, or the group as a whole, how they can really recover from what happened in the season premiere episode, and then also their favorite memories with the dearly departed Glenn and Abraham. So who, who are the characters that they play? Um, Aaron and Eric. Got it. All right. Yep. So definitely a eh theme. Ah. Eh. <laughs> eh. Yeah. Ah. All right. So, yeah. Here they are. Where do you guys go from here? Like, what can you say as far as the group's recovery from this? Because I imagine the effects are going to, you can feel the effects for probably a good portion of this season. Yeah. I mean, that's immediately after the attack. Um, there's going to be a, a great sense of rebuilding in, in whatever way they can. They, they, my, I talked to my mom about this the other night, and she said, I just feel like there's no hope left. There's no hope left for the group. And while I could certainly see her point based on what you saw in that premiere, um, I think there will still be hope. There, I mean, even, even in Maggie's last lines of the episode, when she's saying, we have to go fight, we have to go and... and and that was beautiful. That, that, was beautiful. that brought that little glimmer. of I'm so glad they extended it like five minutes or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And just that five minutes was, I felt, what we needed to be like, okay, we can still, we can still rebuild this. We can yeah. still get through this. Because I think the fans were feeling that way, too. It was just like, we just, you know, were, were emotionally destroyed by the end of this episode. And, you know, where do you go from here? Where do, right. how, how, how can you possibly rebuild after seeing that? The only place you can go is up. So yeah, that's good. Very true. Very true. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, and I, and I think they're going to find strength in new communities. They're going to find strength in each other. 
they're going to be tested. They're gonna, their faith is going to be tested in each other. And ultimately, Rick is going to have to decide, can not only he, but also his group, assimilate into this new world that Negan has laid out before them? Right. You know, because it's a, it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow, yeah, big time. definitely. Um, can you guys talk a little bit about your, your favorite Stephen and Michael memories? My favorite Stephen and Michael memories. It, it really just comes down to the personal stuff for me of just like being on set and like Stephen and I watching like funny karate YouTube videos together, you know, and him just being so excited about how funny that one little kid is while he's doing his karate, you know, and, and talking to Michael about, about his family and his kids and being so proud of his kids going off to college and just like all it really it just comes down to the personal stuff of like friends talking to each other and being there for each other and just hanging out and, you know, in in between takes everyone I think I think lots of people kind of mellow out a little between takes try to break some of the tension because it's a super tense show sometimes if someone needs to stay in it then we'll give them some space and let them do their thing but for the rest of the time you know it's just a okay great so let's let's get back to us for a little while before we have to go back to that again you know and and um and so that's that's what I will always remember about my time with him. And they're the funniest guys, too. I mean, like, Steven has a background in improv and comedy. Cudlitz is just naturally very, very funny. Uh, probably between he and Josh, the two guys that made me laugh most on set. Um, and, no offense, you're, you're lovely, too. I'm you're not funny. funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. No, but I think that it's just those moments of, like Jordan said, is like, to define it by any one, I mean, it's, it's like just... That those those moments where you're you're shooting 12, 14 hours a day, and you're you're exhausted mentally and physically, and then Cudlitz cracks a joke or Stephen you know says something and just this very dry, you know kind of sense of humor, and you're like, you know what, this is okay. This is this is why we do this. It's the camaraderie of all this, you know, and um, and we miss them like crazy. We do. So. I think that's uh, having seen two more episodes uh, since the the season premiere. I definitely think it's. I mean, I you can't really get darker than the season premiere. So I do think that what they said about you know there's only one place to go, which is up. You know, hopefully, hopefully up and having hope again. Um, I mean, I think that's fair. You can't you can't go further darker than what happened I, in the premiere. I have to tell you, I'm, I'm just I'm just hoping, frankly, that uh, writers of the show never hear this podcast and think to themselves, "Well, I'll rise to that challenge <laughs> right. and make something even darker." Challenge and, accepted. Yeah, jeez, Louise. <laughs> so yeah, but no, that, you're right. Yeah, it's like it'd be hilarious. It's just like for the rest of the season, just gonna be a hilarious comedy show with hijinks. Well, it's it's funny because um, you know the second episode we're kind of focusing on um, Carol and Ezekiel and we meet the tiger and and all of that, which is you know there's this great moment where she's like, you know, I have no idea what's going on in the most hilarious way, and it's just such a great Carol moment. Um, <laughs> and that was just kind of it was a more upbeat, hopeful episode. And then last night reminded me a lot of. Um, of one of the Mr. Robot episodes from season two where they do this kind of like family road trip that's all super happy and like seems like a sitcom and the opening credits are very full housey and <laughs> um, so the opening with you know the the easy street song and and everything that they did last night was I mean I guess a little bit lighter than the premiere but it was just it felt so psychologically just like really messed up 
but like with a happy like layer on top of it. Yeah. But meanwhile, you know, people are getting beaten and killed and like it's and tortured and everything that, you know, you see Daryl going through. It was just weird. Um, so anyways, I, I found, you know, uh, Ross and Jordan's comments on, you know, there's only one place to go from here. You know, up, hopefully. <laughs> Only one place to go from here. Up yeah. yours. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I but but we'll see what happens in the next episode when we finally get back to Alexandria and our core cast members and how that's going to go when, when Megan comes back by. But so that was our, our Walking Dead uh, segment, <laughs> our interview segment for the week. <laughs> Um, we are going to have some really super cool interviews coming up too. Um, I think I mentioned last week, they've just been stacking up and I've been under embargo. Um, but we'll tease that here in a little bit. <laughs> nice. More of teasing <laughs> More the tease. More teasing the tease. It's my it's favorite my thing. thing. <laughs> um, box office this weekend. All right. Projections. What do you, what, what, what's your guess on what Dr. Strange made? I'm going to guess it made... I'll say $67 million. Oh, it overperformed for you then. Mm. Um, so it made $85 million um, domestically during its opening weekend haul, uh, which actually exceeded the studio boss's predictions. Oh. Um, so that was pretty awesome. And worldwide, it grossed, um, it's grossed a total of $325.4 million globally with a production budget of $165 million. So already already exceeded you know the uh the expectations of everyone already made back the production budget <laughs> and i'm sure we'll only continue to do better there's it'll it will be interesting to see how it stacks up this weekend against arrival which i think there's a lot of buzz around mm -hmm. um but i think dr strange will probably hold on to the top spot for for another weekend that's my prediction well we're about to uh do an atlas review of that film correct of Doctor Strange. Yes. 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 So I would. I will. Maybe. Maybe that will reveal whether or not this film will have staying power. Maybe it will. Mm. I think it will. Feeling good about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trolls came in second. It just barely fell under the predictions of what experts thought it would make. Uh, with forty-five point six million projections, were for forty-seven million. Uh, that film had a hundred and twenty-five million dollar production budget, probably because. You look at the the list of names: Justin Timberlake, Anna Kendrick, Zoe Deschanel, Gwen Stefani, Russell Brand, plus all the animation on top of it. That was not a cheap animated film to make. Right. Um, but overseas, the film brought in another 104 million, so it's doing pretty well. It's no, it's, it'll hit it. Yeah, it's 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 in a good spot. Um, so they're they're super happy with that. Coming in third this week was Mel Gibson's Hacksaw Ridge, um, which stars Andrew Garfield as a real life. Um, war Objector and Army Medic uh, Desmond T. Doss, and that came in with $14.7 million. They actually didn't publicize the production budget of that, um, so I don't know how that did, but I'm assuming it's a war film, so I assume it cost, cost more than $14.7 yeah. to make. Right. Um, our leader for the last two weeks fell to fourth place, though. Still, she's Medea kicking. Halloween. She's kicking. <laughs> Uh, she fell to fourth with seven point eight million, uh, but it's still an extremely impressive run for for Tyler Perry without that film. Um, and Ron Howard's Inferno at fifth with six point three million. That one's not going to get any better. No. Um, and that's kind of what we predicted too. Uh, yeah. It's just not 
it's not great. So that's what that's what happens. And that had, I think, if I remember right, you said that had a seventy-something million dollar production budget, mm-hmm. and it's sitting there at twenty-six point one. Yeah. So yeah. It's, I mean, that had such. Uh, they traveled to so many different countries to film that. You've got Tom Hanks in that, Ron Howard. I mean, it's just an expensive picture to make. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I don't know if we'll see any more of uh, Dan Brown's books for a while. <laughs> I still like the Netflix pitch. I do. I, I, I do, too. Needs to be, Dan Brown needs to be television shows in today's world. I agree. I agree. Um, coming out this Friday, though, uh, November 11th, we have Arrival, Shut-In, and Almost Christmas. And actually, I realized this tonight. I signed up for two screenings, Almost Christmas at 7 and Arrival at 7.30. No problem. You'll no problem. Fine. I can do two things at once You're and fine. see two movies. At one. It'll, be, it'll be great. It'll be like a Christmas alien movie. <laughs> it'll be great. Nice. Um, so that being said, I'm going to go to see Arrival, um, which has gotten great reviews so far. It's been at a number of film festivals, and people love it. So I'm really excited to, to see that one. And there was a film in 1996 called The Arrival with Charlie Sheen. Do you ever I see saw that, that. Film? You I know did. I actually really liked that way back in the day. I, I brought it up quasi-recently and somebody said it was horrible. So I'm like, maybe it was. and maybe. But, but I actually remember liking it. It's before Charlie Sheen went crazy town. Yep. Um, but I remember liking that film. So. Yeah, I think I owned the VHS of that. It's, I totally did. <laughs> I totally owned the VHS of The Arrival. And then um, I, I think I actually bought the special edition DVD that came with The Arrival and The Arrival 2. Did you know they made a sequel? I think I might actually have that. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> the, uh, the sequel, not so good. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I should like have a, a rival rewatch party to see how bad it is. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Probably completely unrelated in story format to... Well, I mean, it is Aliens Arriving, so... Yeah. yeah. Similar concept, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll get back to The Arrival in a moment. Uh, let's talk Doctor Strange. Let's that do that. Like a gazillion forms of awesome. Okay. Um, all right. So start me out. All right. Well, so they're like spoiler alert <laughs> for, <laughs> for on a boredom scale. Five being five alarm boredom. How bored were you watching zero. this film? Okay, zero. Yeah, didn't even <laughs> let me finish. Okay. So why were you not bored? Um, I mean, it was great. It was. It's very much. It, it's not like a mainstream Marvel film, like a Avengers or Captain America. It it feels very much like a Guardians type movie, a kind of you know second tier Marvel film, but like just as great a quality of a film. But um, really comical, really awesome. Not characters that are super well known, um, right. or at least I don't feel like there's you know people know Captain America is and Black Widow and Iron Man, and but they may not know who Doctor Strange is. Like, Doctor so, Strange, I feel like, is, like, that name that I've heard. Mm-hmm. But, like, hey, what's anything about his story? Uh, not a clue. Right. Yep. And I feel like that's probably where most everyone was um, that weren't diehard comic book fans coming right. into this. Right. So, um, I think it definitely... Th- there's so much humor there. The cast is great. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is just incredible in that role and has such a, a great... Um, a great kind of like timing for his comedy that's it's it's dry but it's sarcastic and it's witty and it's it's just a, a great blend of what he brings to that character um so i was i was never bored so uh 
How often were you rolling your eyes? Five being my eyes rolling out of my head. Zero. Yeah, well, there's a shocker. Totally <laughs> shocked. Like, you know what's fun about being in the room with you while this happening? I can feel from your body language. It's not going to go the wrong way. It's not going to go bad. Okay, so why, why? So everything you said, just the story points hit? Yeah, the story points hit. Um, and visually, I feel like, you know, it was funny when we were coming out of the theater. Um, there's usually a, a, a PR rep that's that's staying there waiting for the critics to come out so she can write down, um, you know, quotes about what people thought. And then they turn those quotes into the studios. And then that's kind of how they're like, oh, well, we can use this on our commercials or this on our DVD cases. And that's where those quotes kind of come from. Hmm. And it also gives them kind of just a, a good idea of how it's, you know, being perceived and what's horrifically wrong or awesomely right about the film as well. Right. And the one thing that I heard so many people say is, like, I wouldn't want to see this film high. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's such, there's such, like, a kaleidoscope effect to some of the the, the spacey things that happen right. with it. Right. Um, that it's, like, it's it would be a very trippy film to see under the influence of anything else, whether or not it was that, or if you even if you were drinking, I feel like it mm. would be a... Um, it's just a visually intense film in a good way. It's definitely one you should see in 3D because of that aspect to it. It's one of the few films I've seen in 3D that are just, it, it's meant to see in 3D. Right. Um, yeah. 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 It was just, it was stunning. It was beautiful. Okay. So, uh, so don't see this film on heroin. Probably not. A okay. Good. I don't even know what heroin actually does to you. But. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like a bad idea. Seems like it's addicting. In general, you know what? Don't do heroin. Never <laughs> seen it. Message to the podcast. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, seeing a movie or otherwise. Um, so, so who is the best performance? I definitely have to say Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, it's I've seen him in other roles before. Um, not one where, and I haven't seen Sherlock, which I know is where most of his his diehard fan base comes from. Yeah. Um, but he, I hadn't seen him in a role that was had a lot of humor to it before. I've always seen him in very serious roles, and obviously he does great with that. And I, I believe he's like a classically trained actor. Like he's a he's pretty good at what he does. In his interview, he was super serious. For, yeah. That, that we we whatever aired last week he was super serious and he's like this super well-read guy i'm like okay this guy is brilliant and some people that are that smart end up being hilarious because but it's weird they're hilarious based on like the science of timing versus exactly exactly like they they just they look at it as a science or they're they're funny without even knowing it right or being aware of it at all yeah and i he was just he was great at it like he just and I've seen a couple of interview clips with him um, since then that were just hysterical too. So um, just seems like a guy you want to like grab a drink with and like hang out with. He's just <laughs> super cool. I mean, not maybe not as in, in character as Doctor Strange, because right. you know Doctor Strange has got a little bit of an ego going. Yes. Um, but if well, not to put in spoiler alerts in this, but you know he softens a little. He, he does for the greater good, good. of the world. Good. Well, that's good. He he does yeah. end up. He even said in the interview last week that uh, you know he obviously ends up becoming a superhero and the responsibility with that changes a person. Exactly. Um, exactly. So and I don't. This was any of this filmed in Georgia? I don't think it was. Not to my knowledge. Uh, um, come on, Marvel. Right there. There are. Um, I should note this, and I mean, there's so much of what's happening now with Marvel 
here and I imagine that he I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up somewhere in Infinity Wars and was just like hey guys hey <laughs> <laughs> just like that just like that and then <laughs> left it would be the best cameo ever yeah so there's there's two um, after the movie credit scenes there's one that happens you know like 30 seconds after the the, the movie ends in the first set of credits and then there's one at the the very end of the film too um, that definitely kind of brings him into the to the Marvel universe a little bit more and kind of sets up things for the future. Um, without a doubt, there's going to be a, a Doctor Strange too. The question just is with Marvel's current uh, schedule of films. I mean, I remember leaving and I, I said, like, I wonder how old I'll be when the next Doctor Strange comes out because it's like they've got their their schedule so far yeah. into like t like 2025 or something yeah. like when does the next Doctor Strange film fit wow. into that yeah. you know it's um I don't know I don't know but it's definitely set up for another film and it's it's a it's a great movie nice nice well that's that's great so uh, you ultimately do not regret the time you spent watching this film no um so it's it's drum roll time yeah uh perfect paradiddle <laughs> Um, what, what is this? I am going to give this, well, I'm going to, I'm going to preference it by saying this. Um, obviously in the, the traditional Oscar winning kind of like thing that you say when you rate a movie as high as you can rate it, I don't think that it will win best picture. I think it will totally win some awards for effects and all of that fun sound editing and all that good fun stuff. Um, but I would give it an atlas. Like it's it's full atlas. So really entertainment value is super fun. It was yeah. a good time at the movie, which is what a movie's supposed to be. I don't believe in the Oscar system because I've no. seen many Oscar films, and when I'm done, I'm like, really? That's the way she broke her neck. She fell down in the boxing ring. Really? <laughs> That's how it happened on the chair. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. And that was like that was like a heralded Oscar-winning Liberty Blue. So you know, great performance. Whatever. Off track. <laughs> but if a movie is good and fun, I say give it a high rating. I think that's something that um, Marvel is just, they're just nailing it right now. They're making films that are the perfect kind of blend of light and dark, but mostly light, um, and comedic and telling a great story, and it's just the perfect blend of everything. And I know we've talked about this before, and it kind of came back to me because I, uh, I had this interview with Michael Rooker, um, <laughs> which I, at some point, and this podcast we'll talk about Michael Rooker a little bit more. Won't you take um, me to crazy town? <laughs> um, he's just a really interesting guy to, to interview and um, when I tried to talk to him about like DC Comics versus Marvel Comics and you know of course with he's in Guardians and yeah. Guardians is such a, a great example of this. Everything that Marvel is doing right now in comparison to everything that DC has not done right in, in the cinematic space and um he he was just like I got nothing to say on this, and so I don't know if he he actually has seen any of the DC movies. Maybe he hasn't, but um, <laughs> I think it's such an interesting kind of thing to look at. You know, you're you're telling you have these two comic book companies that are telling story, or well, I guess the the movie studios that are telling these comic book stories, and one is getting it so right, and the other one is getting it so wrong. Well, and Doctor Strange is just another wonderful example, example of how right. Marvel's getting it right. Well, what was, what, was a, what was a Batman that just went off the rails with Clooney 
Uh, was it Batman, Returns. Bat- Batman and Robin? Wasn't oh, that? yeah, no, that was yeah, Batman, Batman and Robin. And Robin. And with Schwarzenegger yeah. and everything. I mean, it had just completely gone off the rails. So, and it, what's funny, and it was like, went so far in like the fun direction that it was just like, okay, this is just, this, yeah. is, like a, this is like a Broadway show without the musical. Yeah. You know, it's just ridiculous. Enough that, but sometimes Broadway musicals are really good. Make that clear. But, the, <laughs> but, but then Christopher Nolan, like, changed the entire scope. With what was it? Batman Begins, right? Right, right. And then, like, you're watching the movie, and you're like, "This is not a superhero movie. This yeah. is like nothing I've ever seen before." And so, so all of a sudden, he kind of created that vibe. That now I think, like, I thought the third Nolan Batman movie was horrible. I, to be fair, um, even though the first two were good, I know the second one is Geraldo is wonderful. But like, now they're like trying to emulate that. They are, and it doesn't work without yeah. Nolan. It, it, it just, it's like, it's like a weird thing. And that's what I think for the most part, the, the, I feel like the Marvel films play in their own world independently of each other, but still come together to make a greater whole, which makes it fun. I mean, it's like super advanced biometric serial television in exactly. a way, you know, it's, it's, but I, well, actually which of all the Marvel films that have been released at this point is your least favorite. Oh, that's hard. Um, least favorite I would probably go back a ways to you know I'm not a huge X-Men fan I'm really not so. are, are those X-Men well yeah I guess yeah I mean it's Marvel I know they're Marvel but aren't those Sony I, yeah whatever you're right yeah you're right. it's um, I don't know and like even some of the Spider-Mans haven't necessarily been my favorite either yeah those are all the Sonys um, yeah so maybe that's that's part of it too it's just the the difference in the studios um what is kind of interesting is there is a very, and you can see this from if you've watched trailers, even for Doctor Strange, there's a very Inception-y feel to like yeah. you know, the, buildings, the buildings, which is bending. very Nolan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that too. And uh, so that's kind of interesting that it's kind of playing a little bit off of some of that. And of course, which is another reason that makes the 3D so amazing yeah. with it. Um, but I totally agree. I think that you know, the, the Nolan films did so well and they're trying to say, I feel like that's the main problem with Hollywood and like film and television is they try to just look at something that's worked before mm-hmm. and then just like redo it instead of do something new. Copy paste. Yeah. And it's like, you can't just keep doing copy paste. We need new original ideas. And I don't know. That's a whole tangent I could go down. Well, but. no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a long slippery road. And you know, it's uh, what's his name? Um, Zack Snyder is mm. a guy who I was originally totally on his coattails. I thought what he did with the remake of Dawn of the Dead back in the day, now, geez, 12 years ago, 2004, was so good. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, again, total director's commentary, listener nerd. Like, I fell in love with him on the, on the, on the track. You could tell he was genuinely excited about the movie that he made, you know, and as he was talking about some of the techniques and, like, he was stoked on how some of the gags came out. And he was, he was just like a fan Right. Of the thing. And now it's like weird that like he just, then he did 300, which was a huge hit. And I was eh about, and then I just, I don't like what's, ha- he's just turned into this bloated bloat machine. Yeah. Well, I don't, and, I, and it's such a bummer because I was seriously really big on this guy in his early days. So. I think his visuals are amazing though. And I mean, even the, the I mean, granted Batman versus Superman was really dark. It was still really beautiful. I agree. Um, and I, I agree mean, all that. of his films, it's like you feel like you could freeze frame any yeah. any scene from it and it'd yeah. be a work of art. Um, but unfortunately, that doesn't carry over to the, the storytelling aspect of it. It just makes it 
you know, it's pretty to have on if you have it muted in the background and it looks right. it's beautiful art on your wall. Oh, no, no, don't listen to dialogue, you crazy fool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you, well, speaking of, speaking of movies that let you down, not that I had high hopes, obviously, but we, I watched uh, we Rent of the Ghostbusters movie. The new one? Oh, Did I still you? haven't seen it. It's so bad. Really? And I wanted to, the first 10 to 15 minutes, I'm like, oh, you know, actually, I'm in. I'm in. And then it just turns this weird corner, like, and it kept referencing the original Ghostbusters movie in a way that I was, like, tempted to just turn it off and watch the good one. The original. You know, because I kept thinking about, like, okay, am I just liking the original because I'm nostalgic for it? But no, and, you know, and to be fair, it's not because they're women, because, like, at one point, I'm like, you know, these are kind of four of the funniest women right now. Yeah. Like, seriously, these are four hilarious ladies. It's just that, like, it was just all over the place. The story was convoluted. And then, like, the final fight scene, you're like, wait, I don't understand the stakes or why any of this, what is happening? It was just so bad. And then there was, like, a cameo of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man as a balloon. It was like, what is happening? It was just, it was, like, when it was over, I felt, like, dirty. Like, I Aww. wanted to stop it, but I spent the $5 to rent it from iTunes. So I'm like, but i got to stay in now. I'm committed. <laughs> Anyways, Pay for this. I'm not leaving. It, uh, it was 0 for 3 in the, in the Mickelson household. So I, was, I wanted to like it. It started like, okay, but yeah, it just fell down. I feel like there's, um, and it kind of concerns me. It's an A in the Atlas scale. It's an A. It's not even at. It was that bad. Aww. Sorry. <laughs> Um, there's so many films coming out at the end of this year that I have ridiculously high expectations for that I'm, I fear, you know, Arrival being one of them. Yeah. Um, La La Land is already like my favorite film ever and I've not seen it. And if it disappoints me, I don't even, I'm going to be like destroyed. (laughs) I'm just so excited to see it. And, um, there's so many, I mean, Fantastic Beast and, you know, Rogue One and there's, so many great films that are coming out at the end of this year that um, I feel like everyone's expectations are incredibly heightened for. Um, one film that I actually had on my to-do list to watch this weekend that I haven't yet, um, Cafe Society, I really want to see. Um, I have really high expectations for that one, too. I'm hoping that it doesn't destroy me. But, um, <laughs> it's tough to have high expectations. It is. It is. It's almost better to go in being like, I'm going to hate this movie. And then you're like, oh. That's, that's way better. <laughs> like every movie I, I've been told I was totally going to hate, with the exception of Transformers Part 2. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, I've ended up being like, oh, it wasn't that bad. But yeah. every time you tell me this movie is so good, I go in there and I've just got like a different, like I've got my like film review glasses on, like some sort of jerk. And then I always come away <laughs> like, that movie wasn't good and here's why. So... Yeah, it's it's much easier to kind of pick it apart when everyone raves about how great it great it is. Yep. Um, yep. It's like me and Interstellar. Um, everyone loved that movie, and I'm just sitting here. I'm like, scientifically, this is not possible. And I under I don't do that in other right. sci-fi movies. So right. I don't know why I did it in this one. And right. like Contact, I didn't do it in Contact, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, because it made me think that maybe that was possible. But like. I don't know. See, I went into that with really high expectations because it was Nolan. It's beautifully shot. Um, but I was so, See, it's funny, so disheartened. That's how I felt about Inception. Everyone was telling me Inception was the greatest thing under the sun. I'm like, I feel like that movie should have been called Exposition. It spent so much time explaining <laughs> to me what was happening. That was the only way for it to make sense. Like, you can't do that. And then I can't remember shortly after there was an old... Uh, uh, what's it, McScrooge? What's his name? Scrooge Duck, 
what was the, the Uncle Scrooge? What was Uncle his Scrooge? name? The really rich Uncle yeah. Duck. Was he Uncle Scrooge? His name was definitely Scrooge. Yes. Well, whatever. <laughs> the Scrooge McDuck or whatever. <laughs> I am like horrible. But like th- there was a comic book mm-hmm. just from that series that was Inception. It was crazy. From like the mm-hmm. 60s or something. That's kind of cool. Anyways, that came up after the fact. But you Google, uh, Google Scrooge McDuck whatever and Inception comic book. You'll find it because Google is smarter than me. <laughs> um, but anyways... Wow, this has turned into the Christopher Nolan episode of The Atlas. Yeah. We have our own inception with our tangent that it's just happened. <laughs> um, well done. <laughs> tied it back together. It all It's all one wrapped up in one pretty little bow. Yeah. In super slow motion. <laughs> well, on the note of space, which, you know, we were talking about interstellar. Mm. So, space. So, arrival, which we were talking about earlier. Mm. See? And we're in the same space. We are. Yeah. And you uh, you arrived here today. You were prompt for your arrival. Mm, yes. <laughs> um, we're so great at this. We're really good. <laughs> um, we're really good. We have Amy Adams talking about her role in Arrival, which hits theaters this Friday, November 11th. Here's Amy, who once pulled up behind me when I was going into a studio to film, and then she I had to get out of her way, and she's very polite. It's a good story. <laughs> You're welcome for that. You can tell it to your friends. So hi there, Amy. Hi, Amy. Loved you in the Muppets, by the way. So uh, who who do you play in this film? I play uh, Dr. Louise Banks, who is a linguist and a professor. And she's called upon uh, by the United States government to help decipher an alien language, as there have been 12 ships that have arrived on the planet. And uh, she ends up being part of a team that goes in to try to figure out what they're telling us and why they're here. I see. And, and, and how did you actually prepare for this role? I sat down and met with a linguist, and what I realized is it's impossible to learn everything a linguist knows in one, two, three, four. There's a reason you have to like go to a lot of school. But what, the thing that helped me and kind of freed me is I always assumed that a linguist was an expert at speaking languages, when in reality it, it not, it's not always the case because there are... Um, different types of linguistics, and she said, uh, the linguist I spoke to said, oh, I I understand languages, but I don't speak them. She only speaks, I think, two languages. So that freed me up, because I was like, oh, I have to play a person. She's like, I'm not a translator. And I was like, oh, there's translators, and then there's linguists. She studies um, sort of, uh, though my character speaks a couple languages, she more studies the um, anthropological significance of language and culture, and sort of how people speak to another and how languages originate. So, yeah, I, I did a lot of reading, and I realized I wouldn't be a good linguist. The irony here is it's actually pronounced linguast. Yeah. Uh, so was a director a factor in you taking the role? Denis is another huge reason that I was attracted to this, because once I read the script and really loved the character, I sat down with him, and the way that he saw it was how I read it, which isn't always the case. And so he really wanted to tell it as an intimate story of this woman and it just happens to be placed in this amazing sci-fi universe and so it i i knew that it would have a really a really um deep heart and that was important to me um and yet be really visually um, interesting and he he had such a, a wonderful way of um describing to me what the uh, aliens would look like and and how the language would be expressed and and um yeah he he's a very special director very special man i'm sure he'd appreciate the compliment 
Talk to me about the character of Ian. Ian is more scientific. Uh, he plays a scientist. It's uh, Jeremy Renner. And I was so excited. I've worked with Jeremy before and just had a great time. And Jeremy's got that great way of like playing that in a fun way. And, and yet having worked with him and having worked with him on American Hustle and he played this amazing character in that and then due to editing you know everybody's characters but you didn't get to see all the scenes where he was so vulnerable and emotional and I just knew he would be so awesome as Ian as this um, completely supportive character and supporting you know not a lot of guys will show up and play the supporting role to a female character and Jeremy didn't even blink and I'm so appreciative because He's so, so good in this and so sweet and like sexy because he's so sweet, you know, and, and so present. It's, it's, it was, it's such a joy to work with him. And he's hilarious and he makes, makes me laugh all the time. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner. So what's the sphere? The sphere is the spaceship. And Denis, one of the things I was excited about when I, when I sat down, and again, my kudos to the visual effects and kudos to all of these artists who create these universes that I just get to place these characters in. Um, it's, it's kind of just a sphere, and it's this beautiful, seamless black object that floats above the ground. And um, that's where we do the majority of our work. And it's this anti-gravity um, existence. It's like an altered gravity, altered universe, and yet we can exist within it to communicate with these beings. So talk about the communication factor in the film a little bit. Ian communicates through mathematics, and that's a very valid way to communicate. You can communicate through code. You can communicate, you know, with numbers and, and patterns, and, and that's how he learns to communicate. And I communicate through connection and, in a way, the same way, through pattern, through repetition. And um, we work together and we find this way to communicate with them that then can break down the way that they communicate. And, um, you know, I tried to do, I began by doing the spoken word and I realized that's pointless. So we begin to communicate with them through visual communication and that starts to work. And then we get to see their amazing way of writing and, and we have to decipher what their language means. It's, it's, it's fun. Fun, indeed. So what are the stakes in the story? Well, there's 12 ships that have arrived. And, you know, of course, everybody, it puts the world on edge. We're not sure why they're there, but they seem to be desperately trying to communicate something to us. So, you know, Louise really believes that we need the 12 to, to work as a unit. And without the, she's like, we need to be working together to decipher this. And yet countries are sort of pulling away and wanting to, you know, protect their information. And so... It, it really is about trying to get the world to come together to solve the bigger issues. Aha. Uh -huh. So so talk about a little bit about like the, the kind of the world that uh, director Denise Villeneuve, Villeneuve, Villa, Villeneuve, it's kind of what we do here at the Atlas. He wanted it to feel like it could happen any day. So it doesn't exist in another universe. It exists in our universe. It exists in our reality today. There's no sort of taking a leap of faith. It's, it, it, it is real. It is happening. It could happen tomorrow. It's not, there's no sort of leap of faith in the, in the way that we perceive this film. Forrest Whitaker, how was it working with him? I started um, crying. <laughs> After doing the first take with him, because uh, this happens to me occasionally when I work with people I've idolized for 
years and years is I just sort of have a moment. And I don't mean to, but it just kind of gets me like, I just did a scene with Forrest Whitaker, and that happened. Um, it happened to the, uh, the DP, too. The two of us had a moment. We were like, what? Um, and he is, he's just a, a beautiful soul, Forrest. And he has uh, such a beautiful way of communicating. And there's a way that he has about him that is in charge, but it's done in a way that you love him deeply for his power and his vulnerability. Does sound like a friendly fellow. So what was it? What was an important factor in, in terms of like the core of the film? One of the things that he always stayed really true to, and one of the things that was important, um, our first conversation, he says, the only way into this film is through Louise. So if we get her right, we get the film right. And so I knew he always was paying very close attention. Because sometimes it's easy in, in sort of... Um, you know, male-driven films or films that are, you know, typically male-driven to sort of see your way in through the male character. And we have wonderful male characters in this as well, a wonderful, um, you know, wonderful cast of, of men. But he always understood not to lose sight of Louise. And, and that's a wonderful thing uh, for a director to, to truly understand how to see the way into the movie through the female's point of view. I'm super excited for Arrival. I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be a good review next week. We'll see. I really look forward to Charlie Sheen's cameo. Me too. That'd be awesome. Me That's too. so dumb. If, you, if you're ever in a movie named by the same name and they just brought you in because you were in it. They should. They should totally do that. That would be a wonderful little Easter egg. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we will, we will have our review of that next week and... We are going to have some other cool things next week, too. We've got our interview with our stars of Kings of Khan. Um, that will be our interview for next week, along with a surprise interview. So, surprises. We like surprises. We like surprises. Um, I'm also going to be checking out the Atlanta Botanical Gardens Holiday Lights preview. So, I'll be able to tell you how different it is from other years. Um, I really don't care if they change a single thing, because it's like <laughs> one of my favorite things every year. It's yep. so beautiful. Yep. Um, so I'm checking that out and then also it's right around the corner our November Project Cosplay November 17th it will be Harry Potter themed and if you follow Fanbolt on Facebook or Twitter or you follow comic books Ming Chen you would know that we are going to have a special celebrity guest which is Ming Chen that was a weirdly set up tease it's alright we, cool. <laughs> we got there we got there <laughs> but um, Ming Chen will be our guest judge along with um, one of our friends from Collider so be sure to get there early because we do expect it to be packed out we have Harry Potter things to give away at it for Fantastic Beast uh, so you know free swag can't go wrong with cool. that swag is great swag is great um, so yeah. yeah and Ming Chen is a fun guy I had a conversation with him once about Back to the Future 3 I just don't write it. I'm like, you're into nerdy things. Favorite trilogy is Back to the Future. And then we just... Okay, I think that may have been it. A Project Cosplay. I feel like that was at... He has not joysticks. been to one before. I, but he has been a joystick before. I'm having a weird voodoo mind bend. <laughs> Might yeah. have been last yeah. uh, last yeah. year when he was here. Okay. We, uh, yeah. He's such a great guy. And he's such a foodie, which is awesome. So when, yeah. when we go around to different cities, we always... Uh, find some cool restaurant wherever we are and go and check it out and that's like my favorite thing my, all of my Ming stories revolve around food and just like cool places that we've yeah. been yeah. Um, but he's such a great guy 
Uh, if you haven't met him, you'll love him. You can't not love him. He's just the most likable guy you've ever met. And I'm so excited that we have him for Project Cosplay. Talk about so. setting high expectations. He's pretty much perfection in every he is. way. Yeah. I, I stick by that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. cool. <laughs> He's awesome. All right. Um, so all of that is coming up. And uh, we're going to have some, some other surprises. That's not all my teases, so I'm no. just like, I know there's more, no, but no. I just haven't written it all down yet. We do have interviews coming up with the, the stars of Rules Don't Apply, which is a new Warren Beatty film that comes out Thanksgiving weekend, and um, more interviews. So that's all I got. No, that's uh, that's everything I have, too. Thank you. Thank you for coming to hang out, everybody. Yeah. And Emma, thank you for allowing me to be in your home. Yeah. I'm glad you, I'm glad you have visited. Hmm. Yes. Nice. Do, you, do you is your opinion of me different now that you've been to my home? Um, <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's not actually. I do love your Indian chair in front of your keyboard. Thank you. Yeah, I, I can play one song on that keyboard. Can you play the banjo also? <laughs> that's funny. I'm trying to. <laughs> that's see, I did not know you had a banjo, but that's a very muppety of you. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Kermit is my inspiration for being able to play that. Fast story. We have been listening to Rainbow Connection. Mm-hmm. constantly because of Zach's. Um, and uh, my sister was in town, and she's like, oh, Sarah McLaughlin did a cover of this song, and she showed it to me. And to be fair, it is a very nice cover song. It's beautiful. And mm-hmm. I'm like, there's no effing banjo <laughs> in this. This is horrible. It's, it's, a dis- yeah. it's, it's a crime against humanity. But I never knew that she did it. And yeah, I haven't heard it she's, either. My, my sister's a huge fan of hers. And I was just like, like while I was playing it the whole time, I'm like, or banjo. This is not Jim Henson, <laughs> nor is there a banjo. Get out! That is um, the one song that I can play part of the chorus on that banjo. That's awesome. Um, it's very slow progress I'm making on that, but... Yeah, um, I was, from afar I thought it was the same as guitars, but it's not. No. Totally not the same. It's no, like, it's, a, like it's backwards or something. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so it was a short answer, no. <laughs> good, You good. seem like the Emma... It'd be weird I, if you had like all kinds of gothic posters I know. up You're like, and stuff. Dude, I had no idea you were yeah. so dark yeah. and emo. Like black light everywhere. <laughs> hey, what's up? Um, and next time we should do it in my home to see how your judgment changes with me. <laughs> I'm just going to be like smiling at your kid the whole time. Yeah, He's the cutest true. kid ever. He's, he's adorable, but I'm supposed to say that because that'd be horrible <laughs> if I was a father. I'm like, ah, it's an ugly, ugly little tweaked kid. <laughs> but he's good. Not a problem you have. No, I think we're okay. <laughs> I think yeah. you're all right. Well, awesome. That is all for this week. Again, my name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief of Fanbolts. My name is Jakai Mickelson, delightful house guest. (laughs) And we'll talk to you guys next week.